Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Oh, so beautiful. I love that song. So amazing. How good is God? Isn't he so good? I know, so good. It's so good to see all your beautiful faces. This morning, we're back again for Sisterhood. Can you believe we're on the, like, few-week countdown to the end? I know, it's really something, isn't it? But I have wonderful news for y'all. I have wonderful news. It's not ending. We're just reformatting for summer. Say yay. Yay. Okay, I know. So what we're going to be doing is six weeks of a sisterhood uh, book club for summer, the Sisterhood Summer Book Clubs. And it's going to be six weeks of going through the book, The Bait of Satan, together by John Bevere. All the other life groups in the church are also going to go through the same book for six weeks. We're going to go through it all together. And so you know what I need. I need some of y'all to be book club leaders. Yes. I know some people are like, oh me, oh my. I know, I know. So I've got a sign up sheet and I'm going to, I'm going to think how I'm going to do this. I may pass it today while we're going. It's just your name, your email, and your phone number. And I promise I won't give the phone number out. How many of y'all hate it when people, you get, you know, people give your phone number out? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I promise not to do that. But we, this will be the leaders that then I work with personally who will be leading these groups. And so you'll be leading, some of our team will be leading them, um, the lead team. And so we're going to, because y'all, we need to, we need to get our groups formed, right? Because we don't know September-ish, right, when, the new, when we get into the new building. So we need to have a plan in place now so that we can keep sisterhood rolling, okay? Y'all with me? Yes, that's right. Uh, say this, say circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. They just are. They just are. So for 10 years, y'all been coming and, and sitting in rows and going like a little bird. We've been feeding y'all, like right into your little mouths. And now we're going to sit in circles, and we're going to feed each other. Is that, isn't that good? Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great summer, I promise. Um, so good. Beautiful opening. Beautiful. Because I don't think you've even had a chance, because it's not out yet, to hear Tim's sermon from Sunday, but it was nearly verbatim, him walking through the days of the week. It was beautiful. So beautiful. And, you know, y'all, my mama and my grandmama wouldn't let me watch Hee Haw. I had to watch the Lawrence Welk show because it came on, it came on at the same time and I had to watch, you know, Bud and Sissy and all their groups and all that. It was just ridiculous, honestly. So, but I used to, you know, I would sneak and watch little things like Gloom, Despair and Agony, Oh Me. You know, I'd, I'd watch some of that sometimes and Minnie Pearl with her little, yeah. And I would beg my mama, please let me watch Hee Haw. And she said, we don't watch that. We watch Lawrence Welk. <laughs> All the cool people got to watch Hee Haw, so yay that you got to watch Hee Haw. 
So good. So today, today we're going to continue on our series, and you're going to notice this series that the team is really picking up and carrying a lot of this. This week is going to be Gina Girl. Uh, we've got Nicole coming up. We've got Susan coming up. We got, and then I'm I'm ending it. I'm wrapping it up. The last week we have got some great messages. So today is Gina Girl. Come on up here, or Pastor Gina. I should call her Pastor Gina because you've been ordained now. That's that's right, Gina Girl. I know we all call her Gina Girl because I love her so much. Um, so you all know this about Gina. There is literally nothing she cannot do. It's crazy. Did you make some caramels this morning before you got here? If you go to her house, y'all, remember what I told you on that Sunday? She actually has a loom that she sits out and weaves, weaves on a loom. So it's a lot. It's just, I know, it's just, I'm like, gee, she's authored a book and probably has another one in the hopper. So just, there's a lot that goes on in all this right here. Beautiful and yet just full of all kinds of awesomeness. So today we get to all partake of it. Pull a seat up at the table and hear this beautiful message. And even she told me she thought it was going to be one way and what the Holy Spirit has done. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to get going. So Lord, I thank you so much for Gina. I thank you for the beautiful gift of her, just the gift of who she is, not just to this house, Lord, but to me personally. Lord, I thank you that um, today as she pours out that you will um, encourage the places even in her own heart right now that are sad and that have a place that she's working through. And Lord, I ask that you would just build her up in the most holy faith, even as she pours out and feeds all of us. God, I ask that as we open your word today, Lord, that you would show us and teach us all. Grow us. Grow us as we sit in this room together today. Grow us up into all things that are you. So we thank you, Lord, for who you are. I pray your anointing will come and that it will do a work that is eternal in all of our lives. So I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love amen. you. I know. I love I'm you. sorry, I didn't even make you, no, make you cry. Good, good. I know. Thank you. Here's this too. If you, I didn't know if you were going to pass it. Oh, yeah. Can you pass this, y'all? Please, somebody sign up. I'm going to have to start volunteering. What is it? Voluntolden. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to just, um, I know we're not really supposed to do this, but I'm just going to apologize up front. It, my heart is very tender today for many different reasons. So I might just start crying. I'm fine. And we're going to work it out. I'm fine. I'm not. <laughs> so I just want you to know that up front. Um, so it does not stress anyone out in the room. So <laughs> just saying that out loud. Um, I do love that song that we sang. Um, it's such a beautiful reminder that we serve the same God yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And what he was capable of then, he is capable of today and into the forevers, right? So, because we do know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so as we say it over and over, you're the same God. You're the same God that let a young boy of that generation throw a stone, and it killed a giant. So we know, we know what he's capable of. And this has been a beautiful series so far. I have learned so much. Proverbs 31, such a foundation, such a beautiful offering, such testimony to who the woman is created to be. And then last week with the daughters, I don't even know how to say his name, so I'm not gonna try. But wow, 
learning about our inheritance and what all of that means. Anyway, I'm, I can't do a recap of either one of those justice. So, you know, if you were in the room or you've heard them, they were absolutely beautiful. Well, today I'm going to look at a grandmother and a mom. I'm going to look at Eunice and Lois. And as Harriet said, when I started on this endeavor, I thought this is going to be such a sweet little message. It's going to be fun and easy and kind, and it is none of those things. <laughs> the Lord said, I'm, I'm going to need you to go here. And even in my arguing with him, he continued to take me back to where he wanted this to land today. It is about the next generation. Um, so there are, I, 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 I want to say that I recognize there are so many stories in this room, so many stories, so many stories. Um, you know, in sisterhood, we say, reach up, reach out, reach back. That is significant. Um, it will be significant even in the, in the coming days, but it is significant. Um, I can tell you what that looks like even for me as I stand up here. There are some of you who are so gracious, who just smile and nod, and I know I can find your face, and I know that I can be like, okay, spurred on. It's a beautiful offering, so thank you for that. Just know that it doesn't fall short when you're up here, right? So the beauty is that there are a lot of reach-ups in this room, and I know that you all have reached out to one another. Somebody here has a reach-out. It's really time that we reach back. It's time that we reach back. Uh, that comes with significant calling. It comes with a story that we all have planted in our own hearts of even what that looks like. Um, but I'm, I'm here for a call to action today. Um, I feel that there is an urgency on this season of our life. One that I can say honestly, my generation is the leading runners of in what our children have had to deal with. That the generations before us, no offense, didn't know the same way that my generation know it. And the generations to come, whew, ladies, <laughs> if we don't put this before the Lord, then uh, if we got to. We got to put it before the Lord because it's not if, right? In this room, it's not if because we are a call to action people. We have to pray for our moms, for our grandmas, for our aunts, for our caregivers, for our mentors. We have to pray. We have to be diligent in praying. So often prayer gets so overlooked, like, oh, well, I, I know I have to do that. No, no, prayer is essential. It is vital. It, it is a necessity more than ever in the right now. So before I get into Lois and Eunice, I wanna tell you this personal story of mine. It happened a lot of years ago because now he's 21. But when my oldest Jacob was 12 months old and I was very pregnant with Levi, he, we were away, we were with some family, some extended family members and um, we were away, we were out of town and um, he had had a stinky diaper, you know, whatever. So anyway, I was going to the bathroom, all that to say, I had to go change his diaper and they, as, as they do still sometimes now, they didn't have the changing table in a stall where you could just kind of go in and 
shut the door and kind of handle business. They had it right by the sinks, you know. So I was like, this, this can't be the best place to put the change table by the sinks, but whatever, you know. So it had to be done. So here I am. And so I'm just standing out here in the middle of the bathroom. It's quite a busy bathroom. Um, but this little elderly lady, I mean, she couldn't have been this tall. She comes up to my right. And so I'm kind of like, and Jacob is laying this way, which is contrary to how I would normally lay him because I'm right-handed. So normally I would put his head this way. Um, but she comes up to my right and I'm not alarmed by her. She looks like a precious little thing. You know, she's just like sweet little lady. Just, and I, let me, y- y'all know. I mean, listen, when you have children anyway, or even have been around children or you're, you know, you're hanging out with a child. Listen, the reality is people lose their boundary space, right? They're like, I got to touch this one. I got, you know, so it's just people, that's just what happens. So I wasn't alarmed by this little elderly lady. Um, So I kind of just continue talking to Jacob, keep an eye contact with him so he didn't get nervous. And she leans over. So she's, I mean, we're all but touching arms. She leans over and is ready to kiss him on the lips. And I said, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. She didn't look at me. She never, she never took her eyes off of him at this point. And I thought, you know, my first thinking is benefit of the doubt. Maybe she has some needs. Maybe there, there's a caregiver that has, you know, kind of misplaced her. You know, so I'm, I'm just, well, I mean, I'm just looking around. Anyone, anybody going to claim this little sweet lady, you know? And so I'm back to tending to Jacob. It's, hey, buddy, you know, it's fine. And getting that diaper, you know, it's taking a minute. I'm like, oh, you know, I couldn't do it fast enough. So then as I look over, she's still standing next to me. And now she has somehow, I don't even know where it came from, but she is now trying to put a penny in his mouth. And I said, I swiped over his mouth, which was in turn, the penny hit my hand. And I said, no, ma'am. I don't know what you're doing, but no, ma'am, that that doesn't happen here today. I need you to step away. I need you to step away. Well, she looked at me with black, hollow eyes. I can't even, I'm gonna tell y'all, it is like every scary movie that's probably out there. Her face was so demonic and so empty and the smile that I'll never be able to unsee, ever be able to unsee in my mind's eye. That happened. His pants weren't snapped, but I can tell you who I scooped up real fast and got out of there. I ran back to my table to where Ashley and our family members were, and I was, tears were in my eyes, and I was clutching Jacob tightly, and I was like, I don't know what just happened. I don't know, I don't know what just happened, but I, I, I need somebody to pray over us. I don't know what just happened, but she was trying to put a penny in his mouth. She tried to kiss him on the lips. I don't even know what was in there. Am I family member said, oh, she was trying to place a curse on him. She said, some of my extended family has been part of the occult and that is a curse building moment. So that's what she was trying to do. And I said, well, I'm going to need all of us to just gather around this table at the steakhouse and we're going to pray that thing off because I don't even know what was happening, but not today, not today, devil. So here's what, here's what I what I want you to get from that, because I don't tell you that story to like freak anyone out, right? Because 
Jacob's doing great. <laughs> no curse, no curse rests on his shoulders. But I just, I, I just want you to know that, that really he did. He did struggle for a minute. He didn't have a voice for five years. He had limited language. He had to make up his own language, but lots and lots of prayer and a surgery strategic to give him his voice back, gave him his voice back and he hasn't stopped talking since. So what the enemy did try to steal, what the enemy did try to steal to no avail. It can't happen. And I tell you that so that we're aware that we're aware because the enemy is crafty and he can come in the form of a little elderly lady that's just meek and simple, doesn't say a word, but has definite agenda against the next generation. So just like our song stated, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of each one of our children. The enemy is at work. He's at work. By faith though, we can trust in God and we cannot stop fighting for our young people. That's the place I want us to land today. But be aware of the enemy's schemes, even if the enemy comes in the form of an elderly lady. And if we have children who aren't walking with the Lord, the same God. They, they know that you love them. Don't give up. Pray for a turnaround of heart. Death cannot win. So back to Lois and Eunice. 2 Timothy 1.5, this is the one verse where they're mentioned. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. This is Paul speaking of Timothy. This verse tells us a little bit, why, a little bit about why Timothy caught the faith from his mother and his grandmother. So today we're talking about a taught faith to a caught faith. Faith means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust. You know, sometimes, even as I was sitting there, I was like, this table is holding up this plant and it's gonna hold up my notebook. Sometimes I can have more faith in this table than I can in a big and holy God. And let me tell you something, our young people, Oh, they're going to find something to put their faith in. They're going to find something to trust with all of who they are if we don't give them a better way, if we don't give them the right way. So when darkness comes and tries to silence us or scare us, we are reminded of the faith that lives in us, the faith in a good and powerful God. Paul addressing Timothy says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. It didn't come from Timothy alone. It came from Lois and Eunice. Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mom. The Greek word for sincere means undisguised. It's an undisguised faith. It lives out boldly. Have you ever seen Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, it's all about the music and the mask, isn't it? Why does he wear the mask? He wears the mask because he hides his face, and he hides his face to hide his scars. And that's... That's why we disguise our faith because we can't let them see our scars. We can't let them see the things that have gone wrong. Do you think Lois and Eunice had an easy life? We're gonna find out that it, it wasn't what we might think it was. They were undisguised in their faith, even in their pain, even through their scars, they were undisguised. Now, let me be clear, children should be shielded. No doubt about that. They don't need to know everything. Yes. 
They don't need to hear adult conversations or adult arguments. Here's what I mean about an undisguised faith. For instance, this is a simple example, but talking about Jacob, he was just home for a couple days. He had to leave to go back to Chapel Hill. And, you know, I, I was bringing my two younger ones to youth group and I, he, we were pulling out of the driveway at the same time. And I was, I was in my car and then I was like, I got to get out. I got to go hug him one more time. And as I got out, I hugged him and I never let him see me cry. But I got back in the car and I was like, <sighs> you know, I caught my breath. I didn't want him to go that time. And the tears kind of formed and he's fine. I don't, I don't know why I'm crying. But, but I didn't want him to go. And so I was able to say that to the boys. They're like, Mom, is everything okay? Yes, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. But I'm sad that Jacob's leaving as I would be if you were leaving. I love it when you're all home. It's beautiful. And I know it's not as it should be. You know, they're supposed to We give them roots and wings, right? But it was still the moment I was having. And, and I said, how about we pray for Jacob? Safe travels and just a really a good, a good rest of his semester. And the boys were like, yeah, that's great. And we all prayed. And then we all laughed as we shared stories. And I was like, as I thought back, I was like, that's an undisguised faith because I could share with them my pain, but then I could share with them my God and how he covers all, right? Even when my heart is hurting. So Lois and Eunice didn't put on a show for Timothy. They let him see their genuine, messy, imperfect faith. They did not wear masks. They let him see their scars. And one of the meanings of that word sincere is without hypocrisy. And that's a big deal, isn't it? That's a big deal in our culture, hypocrisy. When your faith is real, it inspires others. It's undisguised and without hypocrisy. So, Here's where I felt the Lord leading with this message. As I said, I thought it was going to be sweet. And and they are two seemingly beautiful ladies. And they are. They are. There's nothing that I could say negative about them at all. Um, But I thought, how does that apply to us today? How does it apply? And we're not done talking about Lois Lois and Eunice. But I'm asking the question, why is it so tough to grab hold of true and sincere faith today? What is different? I think there are a lot of reasons. It's a different time. You know, Jacob had the enemy come at him in the form of an elderly lady. But again, we have to be aware, be on our toes to see the ploy of the enemy crafty. Many of our young people unknowingly have evil at their fingertips. Social media on their phones, scary movies at the point of a controller, explicit music at the head of a button. It's accessible and readily available. Not even enough time to rethink the decision because it is too easy and too quick. We can see how scary movies and explicit music can lead to some negative thoughts, but let's chat for a couple minutes about social media. When we have the facts and when we're aware, we carry responsibility together, right? So that's why I'm sharing this, so that we can be united in prayer for this generation. There is... I believe, I keep hearing the word release, and I believe that there is a releasing happening. And I believe as the remnant of women, of mothers, of of aunts, of caregivers, of mentors, as we release our prayers, 
then there is going to be a shift and a turnaround happen. I believe that. If we know better, we do better. And by doing better, we can be better, right? Okay, so here's, here's what I want to share. So this is what I asked Google. Okay, so this, this is what I asked Google. I asked, you know, as I was like, I'm not even going to look for any, you know, other site. I'm just going to ask Google what it says. Is Instagram like a drug? That's what I asked it. This is what it says. Google says, Instagram is a drug, in capital letters, is. It made no excuses for it. Instagram is a drug. It also reads social media can lead to physical and psychological addiction. It triggers the brain's reward system to release dopamine, the feel-good chemical. Dopamine is actually a neurotransmitter involved in neurological and physiological functioning. I'm going to keep going. A 2022 study of 13 to 17-year-olds read this. 95% of them are on YouTube. I don't know about you. When Some of you, I might say YouTube too, and you're like, that's not so bad. You can find literally everything on YouTube. Everything. 67% on TikTok, 60% on Instagram and Snapchat, and 32% on Facebook. And then there are some smaller shares that they get on. But those are astounding numbers. 95%, that's almost all of them, 13 to 17-year-olds. Social media is a scheme of the enemy to divide. It's a plan of attack on the vulnerable. Now, I'm not calling it wrong. I'm not, I'm not getting into that situation. But let's be aware of the reality so that we can help our children navigate it and even be aware ourselves. Sometimes we have to throw out our arm, don't we? <laughs> even over the enemy his hand or his mouth, and say, no, not today. I am a praying, faith-teaching mom, aunt, grandma, caregiver, friend, and I will be praying. I will be praying. That is my watch. And I will not let the enemy gain any more ground on our young people. So next is this fact that I'm going to share. I'm going to share. Many of us don't want to acknowledge it. I understand that but I'm going to share it anyway. Every 68 seconds, okay, I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. Every 68 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. Not globally, not globally. That's just in America. Every 68 seconds, every nine minutes, one of those is a child. Every nine minutes. So just while we're doing sisterhood, there will be eight children in America who have been sexually assaulted. 93, that's just what's reported. Let's be clear. That's just what's reported. 93% of them are by someone that they know. 93% of them. These numbers bleed over into pornography. 73% of teens ages 13 to 17 have watched pornography. And more than 54% of them before they even turn 13. When young people are broken, feel shame, pain, disappointment in or from those closest to them, there's a whole group of people running in fear. Here's the thing we can count on in running. If we're running away from something, we're in turn running towards something. So what are they running toward? What are they running toward? Are they running toward the church? 
or are they running to the world? Are they running to their social media or are they running to their literal friends and family? Who are they running to? So you may be like, well, what do you want me to do with these numbers? It's a fair question. Feels depressing and disheartening. And the truth is you're right, aside from Jesus, it's devastating. It's devastating information. That's what's happening in our country. In the old US of A, that's what's happening. And until we can grab hold of some actual facts from Google, that Google wasn't ashamed to put on there, then we can't move forward with what God's got over this generation. But God, he loves, he covers, he sees, and he will reach in and pull us out. He will reach in and pull us out. And let me just tell you this. I was one of those. I was one of the every nine, nine a minute, or every nine minutes. I was one of those. I know who God is. He's the same God yesterday and the same God today and the same God forever because that's who he is. His perfect love cast out fear. My portion and my inheritance is faith. That's what I can cling to is my faith in my God. So what do we do when it seems insurmountable? We pray. We pray. We pray. How often do I pray for the young people that I know by name that aren't my children? How often do I call them out before a holy God and lay their names at his feet? And by association, aunts and grandmas and mentors and friends, how often do I lay them and say, oh God, come and do what only you can do. Only what you can do. Let me tell you why prayer matters. Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me. Paul's saying, pray pray for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly or faithfully Make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly or faithfully as I should. As I should. As I should. Fearlessly is the same as faithful. I think Paul uses fearlessly because he's putting the enemy on notice. Zero fear because I know where fear lands. Perfect love. Cast it out. But I'm faithful. Oh, I'm faithful. See, Paul was Timothy's mentor, right? His father in the faith. He calls him his dear son, his dear son, his teacher. He wrote this in Ephesians to the church of Ephesus that Timothy would later be the sole pastor of. There is nothing by happenstance. So let's go back to our text. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. The word for lived is better translated as dwelt. A dwelling is a house or a place where people live, right? That's, that, we know that. As I think about a house, I think about a home where memories are made, lots of meals eaten, game nights and 
puzzles, loud music and dance parties, broken glasses and even broken hearts, beautiful things happening, tears and laughter, tough conversations and beautiful celebrations, lessons learned and faith taught. There's been a lot of living in my home. There's been a lot of living in your home. Our home is our dwelling place. What Paul is saying is that faith made its home in Lois and Eunice. They held it. They knew it. They taught it. It took up residency. It belonged there. It made a bunch of memories on good days and on bad days. Faith was present. Faith in God has been there through it all, living with them. But even in Timothy's case, the word tells us that he was in a house divided. He was in a house divided. Eunice, Timothy's mom, was Jewish, but his father was not. He was Greek, a Gentile. And as far as we know, he didn't believe in Jesus. Acts 16 actually says this. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother, Eunice, was Jewish and a believer. Paul is specific to give us declaration over Eunice's life, but whose father was a Greek, period. So a house divided. I think there's a lot to be encouraged by here. Eunice didn't have the ideal Jesus-loving husband, and yet Timothy still saw her faith and wanted to take it as his own. Three things from Lois and Eunice. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, sincere faith. Sincere faith is undisguised. It's undisguised. It was a lived faith that had a dwelling place. And it was a taught faith, which led to it being caught. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 continues on in reading this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Again, he's still talking to Timothy, Paul. And have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Your mom and your grandma, you know where you learned it and you know who you are because of it and how from infancy, the word of God uses the word infancy, which I love, you have known the Holy Scriptures. So those moments when a baby is being held in your arms, (laughs) pray over him or her, quote scripture over him or her. It says right here that that matters. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We see that as faith is sincere, lived out, and taught, it can be learned and lived because it is a caught faith. There is power in investing spiritual truths to the babes, to the young. Having this solid foundation from these two women eventually led to Timothy's salvation in Jesus, his walk, his genuine faith, And even the availability to have a teachable heart. He had to have a teachable heart because he had to learn from Paul. Paul became a great teacher of Timothy. He didn't think he knew it all. He wasn't like, oh, my mom and grandma taught me everything. I don't need to know nothing else. (laughs) They just just plowed the ground. They just plowed the ground, which is beautiful and necessary. And And then there was a voice that could speak into it even more. They didn't just read the Bible stories to Timothy. They showed him. They showed him. They lived it out. When it's lived, when it's in us, when it's home, is in our hearts, then we have no other way but to show it. 
right? Because it is who we are. It is in our being at that point. A taught faith to a caught faith. Eunice and Lois didn't just teach it. They lived it, made a home. And because of that, it found its home in Timothy's heart as well. A caught faith is not perfect faith. It's not an I have it all together faith. It's sincere, unmasked, unhypocritical, and a willing to be real kind of faith. Here is my Bible when I was a little girl. This little book my mama read to me all the time, didn't you? Then we'd get on our prayers and I'd pray for everything under the sun. Lord, I prayed for everything, didn't I? I prayed for, Lord, I was praying for the people that might be in a plane right now. Don't let them crash. I mean, I was like, my oh, Lord. <laughs> but, but I was like praying for the people, man. We were getting after it, me and my mama. And these little stories, look, at, look. I mean, they're just so sweet and simple, aren't they? Just beautiful. So I just cherish this little, this little Bible. And then this was my boys. You know, when you look at them, you're like, well, mine kind of stayed intact. Their, theirs didn't. Their, I was like, what, what y'all doing? Y'all live that thing with passion, man. I mean, we even got the ABCs happening in here. But we read it, you know, same, same concept, just all the little stories we would go through. And here's why that matters. Here's why that matters. I can only pray that Proverbs, I can only train them up. I can only do what I'm called to do. And then my prayer is when they're old, they will not depart from it. Experiencing it from infancy in the rocker, hearing those words, something sticks, it has to. Because Paul, because God tells me that it does. Although we are only provided with one Bible verse about Eunice and Lois, Timothy tells their story through his own life. Through his own life. There's a lot of information from Timothy. He's made a great impact in his service. He was Eunice and Lois's legacy. Second Timothy was written by Paul to encourage Timothy to remain faithful. This was Paul's opportunity to speak of his great love for Timothy as a beloved spiritual son and ministry partner. 2 Timothy 1.3 even reads this, Timothy was so important to the Apostle Paul that he remembered him in his prayers day and night. When we read about all of the amazing missions and people who Timothy impacted directly, we can deduct this would, have been nearly, would not have been nearly as effective without the foundation from Eunice and Lois. Their role as mentors and family helped create a solid start for his life. There is great purpose and value in investing in the next generation. Eunice and Lois knew that. They took it seriously. They held the responsibility. Even in a spiritually divided home, they were not going to give up sharing the truth of the word of God. They had their priorities, and they knew that putting the Lord first was the most important thing in life. And they wanted to impart this wisdom to their sweet boy. Timothy. Their intentionality led to a man of respect, integrity, and mission. Yeah. It led to a caught faith that in turn was lived out sincerely in Timothy's life. So what we lack in input as far as who Lois and Eunice were, we make up for an output in the life of Timothy. Our children, our children, excuse me, will know or learn our will not know or learn our heritage of faith unless we teach them, teach them well. We as parents, grandparents, aunts, caregivers, friends have a responsibility to teach them in a way they should go. 
Let me be clear, it's not the job of the school or the job of the church. It's not the job of kids' ministry or youth ministry. Send them there because they will hear and know the love of the Lord. But it is not their job. It is ours. It is ours. Some may feel like they don't even know the scripture well enough to teach them to their children. Don't be alarmed. If this is your situation, then teach what you know and learn together. It's okay if you and your children discover the truth in God's word at exactly the same time. For Lois and Eunice, they taught Timothy the scriptures from infancy. Clearly what they taught made a huge difference in his life and led to his salvation at an early age. So as you teach, then live. Live. As important as it was for Lois and Eunice to teach Timothy, it was equally as important that they lived what they believed in front of him. When it comes to matters of the faith, the old adage, do what I say and not what I do, it simply does not work. We cannot expect our children or grandchildren to imitate a faith that they don't see lived out in our lives. Even when the storms come and it feels as though there is no letting up, our faith, our teaching matters. God is worthy, even when we don't understand, even when it doesn't seem fair or right. When we profess with our mouth, it gets lived out. As a parent, I know it feels like sometimes your children aren't getting it, but keep planting the seeds anyway. As you plant, as you plant the seeds and live the life in front of them, they may not always like it, but they are paying attention. Aside from that, pray often for your children and hopefully, hopefully we can do as good a job with our kiddos as Lois and Eunice. The statistics of our times are real and the darkness is real. It wants our children. It wants to confuse. It wants to beat down. It wants to fold in even one false ideal that will potentially lead to another. When you don't know what to do, pray and praise The Lord keeps that penny story close to my heart over my boy. Not out of fear, but as a remembrance of the enemy's schemes. The faithfulness of my God. Because I know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that the prayers and faith lived out of a mom and grandma, oh, they matter. They matter. He's the same God that helped a boy defeat the giant. He will give us all we need. We can't be scared, but full of faith, alive. Living out the things, the words, the full of life moments that God wants. We have to be aware. Awareness empowers us. It gives us strength together. And the prayers of... Okay, sorry. The prayers of each other over the next generation. Calling out on my God, calling on the God of Jacob and the God of Levi and the God of Gavin and the God of Asher and the God of Wyatt and the God of Wayland and the God of Emory and the God of Judah and the God of Haven and the God of Cade and the God of Zechariah and the God of Kai and the God of Luca and the God of everyone that we represent in this room. I'm calling on that God for our children. And their children. Lay the names down at his feet. Let him do what only he can do. 
because it's not by it's not by my strength. But by him. And only by him. This next generation is counting on us. You know that, right? They're counting on us. They're counting on us, even if we don't have it figured out. And even if we're still hurting and figuring out how to put our pieces back together of our own lives, they're counting on us. And if you don't know who to pray for, you can pray for my 17 and my 15 year old. That can be in your mouth every day before the Lord for my Gavin and my Asher, but I know you've got names. And I'm praying on the God of Aiden and of Eli. I am praying for those young people who are enduring more than we can even fathom. They don't know who they are anymore. It's our job. We may have stepped off our watch for a moment, but I'm going to tell you, ladies, get back up there. This is ours. This is ours to contend for. These children matter. And only, only by God and because of him can he release and eradicate what has been set wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 2 Timothy 1. We're going to close with this. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, Paul is saying this to his son, Timothy whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears. That didn't mean they had it easy. He said, I recall your tears, Timothy. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy just at seeing your face. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded, excuse me, now lives in you. Excuse me. Probably sounds real good on <laughs> for this for this reason I am reminded I excuse me I'm sorry forgive me verse six for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self discipline so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me his prisoner rather join with me in suffering the hardships that we have faced for the sake of Christ, for the gospel, by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has destroyed death. He's destroyed death, right? We know that, right? He's destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I am whom I have believed 
and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit. (laughs) That was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You are the same God. You hear your children and you answer prayers. God, we come to you and we lay it all down before you because aside from you, it does sound daunting. But God, you're the same God that, that killed giants and <clears throat> parted an ocean. <laughs> this is literally, this is literally something that is so possible. But let your people pray. Let your people come before the throne of grace. Let them lift up the names. Let them understand that the next generation matters. And we have to, we have to intercede on their behalf, Lord. So right now, God, I pray a covering and a shield around every home at the sound of my voice. Every child or teen represented, protect our young people. We cry out to you, your heart as we live out. God, we know, we trust that you are faithful. Let our lives be faith-filled. May all who see it be changed, catching the faith that only comes from you. Give us strength to be that for those around us. Let our faith be a taught and caught faith in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord, and we give it all to you. Amen. Amen. So the question that I want you to take home with you, I don't want you to discuss it here because I have something that I want you to do here. But the question I have is, what can I do as a mom, grandma, aunt, caregiver, friend to encourage and help the next generation? And let's say we all have the number one thing on that list is pray. Maybe you can send a letter or card of encouragement. Maybe you can do something in the school systems. I don't know. I'm going to let God talk to you on that. But today, we're going to gather in our groups and we're going to pray. We're going to lay every name that is connected to us of the next generation down before the feet of Jesus where two or three are gathered. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to pray that whomever is connected to Joanne, she's going to say those names in her group, and then together you're going to pray for everyone that's connected to Joanne and each one of you. Today you might want to set yourself in smaller groups, however that needs to look, but we're going to have some music and we're going to have a time of intimate prayer with our Father who knows every need on our hearts. All right. If you guys can kind of begin to wrap it up and make your way back to your seats or to your area, you can stand up when you get there. We're getting ready to call it a a day or a morning. How many of you were so moved by that message today? I know, it's amazing, wasn't it? Absolutely amazing. I was saying to the group, and how good did that feel, y'all, to just lift up your people, you know, 
to lift them all up. And it's just a beautiful thing. Um, you know, when we pray for all of our kids and our kids' kids and all the things and just lift them all up, it's just such a, it's an amazing, amazing thing. That was a, um, that was a call to arms. That's what that was. Because, you know, it's almost like I can sit sometimes and especially in these recent messages that we've been hearing, and I can literally sense, I can feel it. I can feel regret sitting in on some of you. I can feel it. It's like it, like it comes in like a low plane, like it's landing. And I just want to tell you, we just roll that off of you now in Jesus' name. Because in the Lord, we go from glory to glory to glory. And some of you may think, well, I could have done better as a mama or a grandmama or a great-grandma. Let me tell you something. Adam and Eve had the most perfect parents in the world. And they went sideways. So what we do is we take the message of prayer and we contend. And I'm going to leave you with a passage today. And I want you all to think, uh, anyone in this room that had a female that helped you in your walk with God, and I will tell you for me, my mama, Dot Liner, who was my Sunday school teacher, Linda Blevins, Shirley Harvey, I can tell you the women that have come along my life, and they helped me move from point A to point B, from B to C, and, and it, was, it was the women in my life that spoke and stood and prayed and contended and were standing in their place at their watch. Yeah. All of us can do that. All of us can be a mama, a dot liner, a Linda Blevins, a, a Shirley Harvey. All of us can do that. Yeah. Every last one of us. It doesn't matter where we are in life. It makes no difference. So I'm going to read to you a passage from Isaiah 50, hold on. I think it's 59. And I have got the wrong verse. Isaiah 59, verse 14 through 21. And judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off. For truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And when he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor, therefore his arm brought salvation and his righteousness, and it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun." 
When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression. And Jacob saying, the Lord asked for me. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord, that my spirit is upon thee. My words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, your children, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, your children's children, saith the Lord from hence more forever. I want to I want to say even though justice stands far off today and truth looks like it's fallen in the street, we have a call to arms to stand it back up again. What she was saying this morning, that's our job. We have a part to play in standing truth up and you know what we have to do? We have to use our voices. We have to use our voice because in the garden when Jesus was resurrected, he gave the women back their voices. So we have our voices. So we're going to use our voices in whatever way. Every time I'm with Emory and Judah, I'm going to speak of the Lord. I'm going to make sure that I'm saying something that has eternal impact in their lives. Always reminding them who they are in the Lord. Just that, that's what happened for me. That's how I became even who you know Harriet to be today. Is because someone said, sweetie, you've forgotten who you are. You have forgotten who you are. Let me remind you again who you are. You just forgot. So we all have to go out of this building today and we have to remind the next generation who they are because truth has fallen in our streets. And we, it's our job to stand it back up again so that justice won't stand far off, but justice will come nigh. Right? Yes, because righteousness is in our mouth and the zeal of the Lord has indeed consumed us. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We ask, God, that as we go home with this question Gina gave us, what can I do, Lord, to encourage the next generation, Lord, that you will lead us to practical ways that show your goodness, your kindness to a hurting world. Lord, that we will be women that show what real justice looks like. That, God, we will, we will help stand truth back up in the streets where she has fallen. Lord, help us. Give us ways to go about doing that. Show us by the power of the Holy Spirit what we're to lay our hand to what we're to give our voice to, what we're to give our time and attention to, Lord, and sweep away everything else that does not deserve our attention and our time. So every name that has been lifted up inside this building today, I ask that you would seal it in heavenly places. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of them. And I pray, Lord, that if they're far off from you, that today you will send the hounds of heaven to go get them. That you will go get the children, you'll go get the generations and bring them back. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are nowhere finished with us or with our nation. So we lift it all up to you, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that yes, there is still a remnant left. We bless your name, Lord. We love you the most. And Jesus, you are still the kindest one we know. We love you and we just, we just uh, end today, God, by just turning the affinity of our heart once again to you. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.